What's up, guys? Happy Friday. This is Kelsey Charles and Megan Murray for Girls Talking Boys. Hello. Gotta get down on Friday. On cue, as always. <laughs> I've gotta love you for it. I can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Which is also what Cowboys Nation Twitter cannot stop doing this week, and that is talking about... Did you like that? I did like that. Close to me? Oh, my God. <laughs> Snaps for Kelsey. Um, Cowboys... Fans cannot stop talking about Dak's contract on Twitter if you have not seen, which I'm sure you have if you own a computer. Um, so we're not concerned personally on this show if he's going to get signed, but... It's happening. It's happening. We decided to bring on our favorite Cowboys expert and friend, John Moshona from The Athletic, to go ahead and give us his opinion on the matter. But we talked about way more than just one Dakota Prescott and his wallet... Um, we decided to talk about some really interesting things, such as his all-time Cowboys roster, which was a spirited conversation, and we had to make sure he realized some really important dudes he left off the list. Every conversation with John is spirited, so. That's fair. Um, and then we also dove into truly how this pandemic could potentially impact the league Revenue-wise, but also some implications and trickle-down effects that could happen in terms of players and salary cap and, and future contracts as we see it. So really interesting to kind of dive deep into the analysis and the business implications. Yeah, of, listen to uh, Kelsey and John nerd out. It really was. <laughs> so sorry in advance, but man, it was cool. Um, loved talking to him about that. It really gets them going. It does. It's true. You you know, talk about two people who get spirited and can talk a lot. That was what and happened. And I'm just sitting over here like, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and then, of course, uh, we had to bring the Cowboys Twitter. Twitter. I knew I was going to mess it up. The Cowboys Twitter troll culture. Say that five times fast. Seriously, though, to John in the forefront of the Romo versus Jack conversation. So we, of course, threw and that Kelsey one. And Kelsey asked me a really mean question. I did. I had to throw that in both of their faces. Um, <laughs> again, you'll be interested to hear all of the discussions around those topics. So without further ado, John Mashoda from The Athletic. Let's hit it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, and joining us now, we have John Mashota from The Athletic. John, hello. What's going on, guys? Johnny Matches. Yes. So we're super excited to have John on because obviously he's one of the best reporters around and one of the best reporters on the Cowboys beat, but he's also one of our close friends. So 
we had to harass him and get him on our show this time. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very honored. You guys have had some really good guests. You guys are, you guys are kicking butt. You guys are doing a great job. Well, you're one of them. So welcome to the crew. Um, so well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, oh. I'm not on, I'm not on the level of, of Steven from Laguna Beach, though. Steven, <laughs> Steven, you know what? I have to say that was hysterical because he literally was following Logging the Boys and started liking all of our stuff. And I helped like kind of run some of the accounts. And I screenshotted it to, to RJ Ochoa. And I was like, I'm sorry, is this the Stephen Coletti that I think it is? Because if it is, he's coming on our show. <laughs> I'm sliding in those DMs. I slid in those DMs so hard, you guys. <laughs> Who knew he was a Cowboys fan? I, I love that. <laughs> I, def yeah. I, I don't think I missed many of those episodes of that show when I was on. No, me either. I like straight up told him I was I went full fangirl at one point I was like yeah just so you know I totally took a trip to Laguna Beach in high school just to like hopefully meet you so here we are <laughs> hope you're wow. not freaked out <laughs> oh, oh, it got a little weird well hey and the whole team was a fan of it apparently so yeah who was the word out who Marion Barber yeah well he said Marion Barber he also said D-Law or not D-Law uh DeMarco D-Ware yeah D yeah D-Ware He's like friends with Beware and like um, apparently Mary and Barber. They together. Yeah. That's chill. Mary and Barber like used to watch a show a bunch and like was tweeting him or something or reached out and they ended up meeting up or at some point. And then he saw, did you hear the story about how he saw Romo at a party, a Halloween party or in the bye week? Yeah. Did he say Romo watched the show? No. Well, I don't Probably, honestly. Yeah. yeah, you're right. He probably did. But <laughs> I just love that. He was like, yeah, like I ran into Romo in LA at like a party like with some other celebrities and like for Halloween on bye week and I was like what are you doing like, what's my quarterback doing here like, what the fuck WTF he's preparing for next week <laughs> stick to football <laughs> yeah so anyways definitely a really random but fun guest I have to say though John you're way up there as well like let's be honest I appreciate that I don't I don't think I'm on the level of Steven but I'll take it well, we're going to go ahead and start hitting you with some of the really hard-hitting questions like we hit Steven with. Um, let's start with the DAC contract. <laughs> <laughs> let's just dive right in. Since everyone's talking about it, I mean, honestly, I can't help but think that if we weren't going through a pandemic, I mean, I guess we would because it's Cowboys, but it's it's just like all Twitter can talk about right now is the DAC contract. And I've got to get your opinion as someone who's pretty close to the team and covers it. Um you know, we keep, we know that July 15th is the deadline for him to get the franchise tag or to, if he'd be playing on it, if they don't have a deal by then. There was a report, the most recent report that came out was five years, $175 million with $45 million um, for the final year. And then we're finding out that maybe that wasn't true. And we just want to get you to set the record straight on where, what's the lay of the land, what's true, what's false. And what say you to all those guys that are trying to trade Dak away? And are they going to pay my mans? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this. There's, I mean, one of the biggest things about the Cowboys is, is it just because they're so popular, win or lose, there's always there. Everything about them is always going to be talked about, whether it's a pandemic or not. And so, you know, my friends from back in Detroit, they'll, they'll bring it up all the time. They'll be like watching like NFL Live or something. And they'll be like, I can't believe like every single one of the shows, they have to talk about something Cowboys related, no matter how 
small it is. And they, there's just so many teams that they don't talk about. And I'm just like, yeah, that's because there's so much interest in the Cowboys and it'll fill segments. And so that's why you're going to see everybody talking about something like this every single day and, and all those shows and it, and it drives traffic and, and they know that they get good numbers when they talk Cowboys because there's really no middle ground. You either love them or you hate them. And so that feeds into all of this. Now, Chris Sims a few days ago reported that the, the numbers that you said about the 35 over the first four years and then 45 for the fifth year. And so it, that's been shot down since um, as of Thursday of us recording this, this podcast. But like, I don't think that that number is really like that far crazy out there. It, 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 it makes some sense because, you know, Dak's side, they want, they only want a four-year deal, which is what Jared Goff did, which is what Carson Wentz did, which, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks are going to do because they want to get back out into the open market as fast as possible, particularly after, you know, Patrick Mahomes signs whatever monster deal he does to reset the market or Lamar Jackson. Right. And so the Cowboys would want to do five years. They want to do five years like they did with Amari Cooper. I mean, I mean, one of the best deals that the Cowboys, I mean, really the NFL I've seen over the last whatever decade plus of covering it is really the Tyron Smith deal that they did. I mean, to get him for 10 years back in the day, like that was just amazing. And they'd love to do that with all their star players, Tank, you know, Amari, Zeke and all that. But like their agents don't want to lock into something like that because they want to be able to get to another contract, which makes sense. And so basically, you know, when Tyron signed his deal, you were like, wow, $10 million a year or whatever. That's a lot right now, but it's not going to be a lot at, anywhere near that at the end of his deal. So I understand where, where Dak's side's coming from. And ultimately, that's what I think happens. You know, the July 15th deadline, I think that's when things heat up. I don't see anything happening before then. Um, but I think that that's where the Cowboys, I could see them giving in and being like, all right, we wanted five, but we'll do it for four years. And maybe it comes in around $35 million, you know? And so it's like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not here to like completely, you know, I don't want to just crap on Chris Sims's report because, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that put out stuff like that all the time. And then, so you sit there like in the position I'm in, like, do I chase this? Is this, is this real? Does this make sense? You know? And so, yeah, some of it does, some of it doesn't. I have never heard that that was, that that was true, but I also, you know, I don't know who Chris Sims knows, you know, I don't know who he talked to. He said it was the source. So, I mean, he's a guy that played in the NFL. Uh, you know, he works for pro football talk. He's obviously has connections and things like that. So, I mean, I wasn't quick to just automatically shoot it down, but, um, you know, I know, I know as we talked before with this, we started recording this, that, you know, you mentioned Kelsey about that Forbes thing and we'll get into that. But like, I just, I find it hard to believe right now that things haven't changed because of this pandemic. Like where you don't know what kind of revenue as a team you're going to be bringing in this next season. I don't know how you can be committing to um, a deal that's going to make Dak Prescott one of the highest paid players in the NFL. And so I think that up until this point, I think it's changed some things. Now, if you can tell me that they're going to play a full regular 16 game season and they're going to have fans in the stands, then by all be it, get Dak signed and give them, give them, you know, make him one of the highest paid players in the league. But, you know, if they're going to start having games where, you know, the Cowboys don't have fans at AT&T stadium, man, I don't, I don't see Jerry Jones trying to set out some new record on, on paying his quarterback if that's going on. Honestly, I love that you brought that up because we will dive into that a lot here in a little bit, but there are a lot of factors at play. And that's, what's so fascinating about this deal to me is that, you know, again, like you've got the franchise tag, they're not going to let him go. Like this is not a, are we bringing in Cam Newton type situation? Like that is not on the table and watch me eat my words when I make some (laughs) like, make some like claim like that. But I really don't see that happening. Um, John, what's the, the tag again? It's, it's, what is it? 30? It's like a little over 31 million. Yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, it's not quite, uh, you know, the 34, 35 that I'm sure, you know, he, he would like to be paid up in, in that neighborhood, but 
it's still a really good one year deal. And then obviously he played really well under one year last year being the final year of his contract. So it's crazy because there's a lot of people that would say, Dak, just take what they're offering you between that and then the endorsements that you've built up up till up till now and being the quarterback of the Cowboys, take that and, and just go with it. But man, I mean, I give him a lot of credit because I mean, he's really putting it out there because to sit there and, 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 you know, not give in to what the Cowboys want to do, you know, that's not an easy thing. You know, there's a lot of guys that would do that. They'll be like, Hey, you know, this isn't max money, but Hey, I'm playing for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm the, I'm the star quarterback. I'm going to have a ton of endorsements. So let's just get this done. They put a good offense around me, but I mean, he's playing hardball. I mean, it really just shows you the confidence he has in himself. And it's, it's funny because I'll just, I'll share a story that I, I, I talked to him about one time at, at it was the last season at his locker. And um, I don't remember how we got on the subject, but I was just like, I was like, yeah, well, you know, yeah, you probably hate, oh, we were talking about he has a tattoo on his arm, you know, where he was drafted at, on his in, inside wrist, it says 135. I'm like, yeah, you probably hate that you fell to 135, but I mean, I'm from Detroit. I'm telling you right now, you'd much rather be the Cowboys quarterback than the Lions quarterback. So if the Lions take you in like the first round, whatever, like you're with the Lions and you're not with the Cowboys and with this offense they put around you. And he's like, yeah, but when, if, if you feel like I do and you think like I do as a quarterback, you don't think like that. You think that no matter where you go, you're going to be able to be successful. So I think of that all the time when I see people, especially right now, talk about how, oh, well, what was Zach going to do? If, if the Cowboys don't give him the contract, is he going to go to the open market and just sign with any team? Well, in Zach's mind, he thinks he can go to the Browns and win. You know, you might not think that, and I might not think that, because I know that they're not great situations, but he might seriously think that he can go and step in at, at the Bengals, you know, if they didn't draft Joe Burrow, and start winning games there. You know, as a quarterback and as a man, that's how you think when you're an NFL player. And certainly he's showing you that he believes in himself like that, because if he, if he would, even had a shadow of a doubt, he would have taken whatever the most recent offer was. Uh, that's a great point. And honestly, with a, with an agent, he's got the C CAA on his side. So we, we know they're pretty well-versed in, in negotiating some mega contracts. And, and honestly, I mean, I can speak from personal experience too. I've, I've been on, I, I've said this many times in this show already, my nine to five is sports marketing. And I worked specifically with Dak myself in, in previous roles. I'm not going to say what I paid him, but I can imagine instances where because of the star power that the Cowboys bring to the table, there are some players that could potentially at some point in their career be making more or almost as much in endorsements that they would be with a salary from a team. So I think that's a super viable point to bring up. But that being said, John, do you feel like that working and playing for the Cowboys gives these guys more of an incentive or in your mind makes them more viable to be taking a team-friendly deal? Do you feel like that's something they should be doing? Because you see that. You see this narrative on Twitter. With, uh, who was it? Jalen and... Um, yeah, I mean... you. I mean, Lyell. I, I, I just... I wonder... You see this all the time on Twitter. People are like, well, he's he's greedy. Just just take it. It's greed. I mean, do you... But are you buying what people are selling in that regard? I am to a certain extent. And again, I know you said that you want to get into this later. But I'm sorry. <laughs> It's hard for me when you're the Dallas Cowboys quarterback and you're the face of the organization and you see these Forbes number that in 2018, they're, they're, that they made 900, it was a little over $900 million in total revenue, which was $350 million more than any other team, which the second team was the Patriots, who is the dynasty of this current era. To be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I am by far the most important player on the field because I'm, I'm the quarterback. I am the franchise quarterback. And I see the numbers like that. Then all of a sudden, when you start telling me, like, you know, if you're my agent, you're telling me, well, you know, we're going to try and get you, like, you know, $38, 40000000 million or whatever. I'm, I can sit there and be like, yeah, that seems like a lot. 
but the organization literally made $900 million last year. And, and that, and who knows if those numbers are accurate, they could be more, they could be less, but when you factor in the big picture like that for the quarterback, I think it's a little bit different, you know, with Jalen and Lyle and things like that, you know, you're not in that marquee spot, you know, for Lyle, the, the best thing that he did was come to the Cowboys because he got to play with other top notch offensive linemen. And then, you know, if he would have, got drafted he, he would have been picked in the first round he probably would have went to a bad team and who knows how good that offensive line would have been so he genuinely enjoys this you know playing for the Cowboys now and with Jalen Jalen is you know he's very big into the clear eye view brand he's doing the sunglasses he does a lot of stuff marketing wise and so for these individual players I think it, it each one is is a different case but for like guys like Zach Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott that are the faces of these franchise that you know it's, it's kind of like this if the Cowboys lose a game how many, how many, if we, we hold the roster in front of us after a Cowboys loss, there's five, six guys that you're blaming for that loss before you even get to Lyle Collins, before you get to Jalen Smith, unless they just made this huge error. Like almost all the time, you're going to be going to the Amari Coopers, the Ezekiel Elliott, the Demarcus Lawrences, the Dak Prescotts, and then obviously, you know, Mike McCarthy and then Jerry and Stephen Jones. But like, so when you're in one of those marquee spots, then, hey, get every, get every last dollar you can get. I know fans don't, you know, don't want to hear that because there's a salary cap, but um, for different positions, I think that there should be a different, you know, there should be a different bar that should be set. And for him, hey, I mean, I'm personally, I can tell you, if you're just asking me, I would say I would have taken probably the last deal that was out there, and I would be like, hey, I'll take this deal, I'll take my endorsement, and there won't be as much pressure on me because once he signs the deal that he signs, you know, anytime he has a bad game, people are going to be like, Oh, this is this is our thirty-six million dollar quarterback. This is our thirty-five million dollar quarterback. He can't even complete ten passes into the flat. Like, are, is this really this is it? This is who we got now? You know, they're going to be comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, comparing him to Lamar Jackson. Like, so that puts more pressure on you. But like I said, he's different than me, you know, and that's probably why I never would even if I had his talent made it to the NFL. And that's why he's gone from a fourth-round pick to a guy that you know took Tony Romo's job and has started every game since and hasn't looked back. It's crazy. So, all right, John, I'll bite. Um, so you mentioned Mahomes, and if Dak plays on the tag this year, then yeah, the Cowboys do have to worry about guys like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, who we know that they're pretty dang good at what they do, and they're going to get paid. So they risk having those two guys go out and set the market even higher than it is before. And again, talking about quarterback markets and, and what, they sh what people are worth and what they're getting paid, that's a whole different other discussion. But basically... At its, at its core, it's basic economics where a, a player goes out and he's going to get paid more and he's going to set the market. So then the next player is going to go and he's going to be like, well, that's the market for quarterbacks right now. Even if, quote, I'm not as good as you, the market is the market. So I'm going to be basing my negotiations off of that. But let's also talk about the new CBA. I mean, they came to an agreement in March. So if Dak signs this deal, the new CBA says that players are going to get uh, let me get the exact number. So 47% of all football-related revenue in 2020 and 48% in 2021. So a lot of football revenue is going to be tied up in media. And the TV rights are renegotiated in 2022. So if I'm Dak's team, I'm like, okay, all of that being said, I would like my deal to be shorter because if I can get out and be re renegotiating contract at or around the same time when the new TV deals are striking – then I have an opportunity to get a bigger piece of that more formidable, bigger piece of pie that ultimately we are expecting this new TV deal to look like. So it's a really yeah, no, and that, dynamic to be looking at, if you will. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And that's what his, his people are doing. I mean, that's why, you know, you kind of had the feeling that when he switched agents and, and went to CAA, that this is what was going to happen. Like that, I mean, especially Todd France, Todd France doesn't take bargains. Like he doesn't have, I mean, you know, the, the rookie contracts are slotted and he has multiple times have been, you know, the representative of the player who signed last when a lot of people look at the rookie contracts is like, well, yeah, you know, he's the, this guy was the third overall pick. Then his contract should be between this and this because last year's third round pick got paid this and this. And so, I mean, he'll fight for every last, you know, dollar, every, you know, little detail in the contract. And he's very good at what he does. And so that is all being added in there. But, but the thing is that you have to remember, though, is that even as a player that you're, you can sit down with you and your agent and talk all that stuff over. And you can sit there and be like, yeah, I want to get, I want to get every last dollar like that. But then at the same time, there's a lot of guys that don't want to hang, have this hanging over them. There's a lot of guys that don't want to constantly have to hear about this in the news. There's a lot of guys that probably would have given in already where they're just like, let's just get it done. Cause I'm so sick of hearing about it. I'm so sick about being asked about it, like whatever, but like, he's really not bothered by that. And so it's like, it really is a case by case basis because you know, there's just, there's other quarterbacks obviously sign big deals and, and it wasn't drawn out like this. And, and that's partly because this is the way Cowboys do business. And, and I'll be honest with you. I really personally feel like Jerry Jones isn't sweating this at all because he feels like that he's going to eventually get something done because really the Cowboys have an amazing track record of signing the players that they really want to sign. And I love when I bring that up and people mention Byron Jones and Robert Quinn, because then I just repeat what I just said, because it just tells you they didn't really want those guys that bad. Like DeMarco Murray, they didn't really want him that bad after 2014. They thought they ran him in the ground. They're ready to move on. Well, they really want Dak Prescott. And so I feel like just knowing how Jerry Jones has been, he is just fine with all of this stuff being out there all the time, because if not, what is, what is everybody talking about? Like he's fine with everybody talking about Dak's contract all the time, you know, and, and, and that feeds into this too. But ultimately when it comes down to it, I just, I really feel like that they're going to get a deal done with him, but I, I know fans want to like speculate about it and they want to, you know, worry, like, are they going to be able to get this with it? I, just, I asked just who's the last player that they've really wanted that they've let get away. Like there's a lot of other organizations where this happens. The Cowboys are not one of them. It's since Jerry Jones is on the team. Well, just to add some color commentary to my, my notion about the fact that the TV deal is renegotiating in 2022, there are some reports out there. I was reading an article on CNBC, and they were saying that they think that some of the renewal rates could possibly double in, in size in terms of how much they're going to cost the networks to be purchasing from the league. So, for example, they, they're, they're projecting that Sunday afternoon games may double jumping from $1 billion annually to $2 billion annually. And for ESPN on Monday Night Football, it could go from $2 billion to $3 billion. So that's not quite double, but that's a considerable jump. And I, I'm not, I was not aware of what, it, it, what kind of jumps happened in years past when they renegotiated, but that seems pretty significant, especially if I'm a player that's set to receive um, a decent portion of that revenue moving forward. Oh yeah. No. And again, I mean, I'm, I, everything you're saying, I guarantee is a big part of what Todd France talks to him, talks to Dak about, you know, and then, and then on top of it, it's like the Cowboys have all those marquee games when that schedule came out, there was a Fox exec that was on the Colin Cowherd show talking about how, like how those, you know, obviously the primetime games at night are the big deal, but the next, the, the next biggest thing, the most watched games are the ones that are those four o'clock games on Sunday. Cause it's the only game on in the afternoon. And he said that when they were making the schedule this year, it was literally, this was their plan for filling those four o'clock spots. Well, three, three fifteen here. It was a for sure hall of fame quarterback, like, like a team with Drew Brees or like a Tom Brady or the Dallas Cowboys. 
that's how they went through their making their whole entire entire schedule because that's the type of you know eyeballs that they had, that they attract and so because of that like you factor in all the tv stuff like Dak is well aware of that and so but here's here's the thing like i think it's funny because i understand that people get you know bent out of shape about this because it's the salary cap and it affects the other players you can pay but i just always laugh at like when people get upset about how much a player's making when it's like why do you care? Do you care that, do you want Jerry Jones to make more money? Like, how does, does that make you feel better? Like I, if, if it's not going to, if it's, if it's not going to Dak, it's going to Jerry, you know? And I know he, he, him and Steven love to say that, you know, this isn't making the Jones family more money and stuff like that with the salary cap. I, and I get that because it is a salary cap and, and everything is, you know, you can only spend so much, but at the same time, they can certainly afford to pay Dak like one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. Now, whether he plays up to that contract or not is another story, but, they're not in a position where they have to talk lowball him because they don't have the money to pay him. Let's put it that way. That's never been an issue in Cowboys land. Make it rain. <laughs> so what did you, what did you make of Steven Jones's comment? Um, I can't remember where he was, but he, he made a comment about the analytics behind that. They're seeing like when you pay a quarterback, you shouldn't pay him X amount percent of the salary cap. Cause then you can lose if there's, there's analytics that say you can lose more games or whatever that was. What did, what, what did you make of that situation, that commentary? People really ran away with that one. They really <laughs> did, though. And I was like, wait, what? He, he knows what he's doing. That wasn't, a, that wasn't a mistake. To even go on those radio shows, it was, on, it was Pro Football Talk, and it was a lengthy interview. I mean, it was, I mean, he was on there for a while. It wasn't just to talk about the schedule, let's put it that way. And so he was asked, you know, I give Mike Florio credit. He asked him several questions, Dak-related. And, and Steven didn't hesitate. Like he gave good answers about all of them. And one of them was obviously, like you said, he mentioned that whole thing about, you know, you, if you, there's, there are analytics that say, if you pay your quarterback too much, basically you're giving them too much of the pie, then there's not, it, it makes it harder on you to be successful because you can't pay the other players around them. And you can take that in a lot of different directions. One, you can sit there and say, oh, so you're saying that basically your franchise quarterback needs all these other weapons around him to help him to be successful. You know, so that's why you need to pay all these other players at an elite level. You need to pay Amari and Zeke and all these offensive linemen because everything around Dak needs to be perfect. You know, he can't just basically do an Aaron Rodgers where, let's be honest, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the talent around him that Dak Prescott does. And he obviously wins games, you know, and, and he's, you know, when he's on, he's as good as, as ever played the game. But no, no, it's funny because he said that because they're the Dallas Cowboys and literally not even a year ago, they gave that huge contract to Ezekiel Elliott. And if you're in analytics, the analytics will tell you you shouldn't be paying running back. So it's like, it, it's just funny that he used that as an example because right away that, I mean, when, as soon as I saw that on, online, I just saw how everyone was blowing up about like, okay, well, if you want to talk about analytics then why'd you pay Zeke the way that you paid him? If you want to talk about analytics, you don't even draft a running back fourth overall, but they did that because that's what Jason Garrett wanted. And they wanted to do everything they possibly could for Jason Garrett to win. It obviously didn't work out. Um, but it was interesting because that's just like, just as an example, you know, when I go to the combine or, you know, when I've been to the Super Bowl before and any of these times where you're around other writers, one of the first things that people always say to me is they'll be like, you know, we'll get our owner or GM like maybe once a year if we're lucky, like maybe once. And they're like, you get Jerry and Steven like multiple times per week. Then they do all these radio interviews and all stuff like that. And it's like, it's great for me because there's always something going on. But at the same time, there's party that's just like, could you guys chill out for maybe just a month, maybe a few weeks or something, but that's, they know exactly what they're doing. They want, they want, like I said, the Jones family is just fine with Dak's contract being the number one story in sports. They love that. They love that. 
Jerry has said it before, as long as it's not like arrest, you know, like, like, or, or guys get in car accidents, like the Josh Brent situation, as long as it's not things like that, Jerry does not care. He is from a, you know, any good, any news is good news type, you know, within reason. Uh, and, and, it, and it lifts all boats, he'll say, because it, it makes it just it, it extends the brand. It gets people talking about the Dallas Cowboys, even when the Dallas Cowboys aren't doing anything. They haven't been in the Super Bowl in 25 years. But Fox execs are talking about how they're the marquee games they have to have on TV. You know, so it's obviously working what they do to, to constantly be putting themselves out there. At the same time, though, it also can kind of bog things down and like wear you out, because especially if you're a young player like Dak and you're not used to this, you know. Uh, you might not want that distraction, but he seems to be just fine with it. Because, like I said, he, it's not like he didn't have these same pressures on him all of last year, and he wasn't making anywhere close to the $31, $32 million he'll be making this season. Yep. Well, you love to see it in terms of the marketing. <laughs> From someone like myself, I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Show me the money. But I want to kind of – I'm so fascinated, fascinated by this. Um, you mentioned Florio, and, and, you know, I think there's – a lot of implications around the pandemic and what can happen with revenue and the total teams that they're that the league they're facing. Um, you tweeted out this article the other day from Forbes, and it actually said that the NFL could lose up to $5.5 billion in stadium revenue. So that's going to be coming from sources like tickets, concessions, parking, team stores, sponsors. That makes up about 38% of the total league revenue. And then you dove in and talked about the Cowboys. You know, it's funny because – it's great to talk about the Cowboys being one of the most valuable franchises in the world, but I guess it kind of sucks right about now because it seems like you have more to lose. It does. No, there's, and there's no question about that. I, I was stunned when I saw that article because I couldn't believe that they brought that much money in on just the home game revenue because there's only eight home games, you know, and then, cause that's not counting if there's like a playoff game in that. I mean, Cowboy readers are expensive. <laughs> you know, hey, no, no, absolutely. It's funny you say that. Like, cause I hear that from so much, so many fans. Like, they'll be like, you know, I love the experience. I love the stadium. Like, it's, it's, it's great. You know, I mean, like, anytime I've ever had friends down here and, like, when my parents have visited, I've always gotten tickets so they can go. And, and they, you know, th what they have to compare it to is generally, like, you know, like Lions games, you know, Tigers games, things like that from Detroit. And they came down and, like, they are all, like, blown away. Like, I can't believe that they play games in this place all year round, but, or every, every, week this is their home their home venue but at the same time it's like yeah but look at what they're charging like i mean one of the biggest gripes that people will say and it's and it's true if you really like run the numbers on this like to go to a cowboys game like for a family it's almost like the price of what you would pay to go on a vacation like it, sure. it, I mean, it's crazy with the parking with you know the hot dogs the, the you know the margaritas whatever you're gonna get you know if you buy a shirt whatever the price of the ticket like it just it's so crazy. But I, even with that, though, I just couldn't believe that, that they were making that much more money than other places. And one of the biggest reasons why I feel that way is because it's not like the Cowboys Stadium holds 200,000 people and all the other stadiums hold 20,000. Like, I mean, it's yeah, it's like in the 80s, 90s, but it's not like anything that like other stadiums are it's just so far away. I could not believe that it made so much money just off of home games. That's the biggest thing that stood out to me. And the other one was just how far ahead the Cowboys are than the Patriots, because I would think that the Patriots are just, especially just coming off me watching this, you know, I'm sure you guys watched too, the last dance documentary and just how the, how, I mean, money was just being printed in Chicago just off of the Bulls. I mean, they got a new stadium because of, because of Michael Jordan and the, and the Bulls success in the nineties. So I would figure that money's rolling in in New England the same exact way 
for Patriots, like everything. To see that the Cowboys are still ahead of them is just, it, it's crazy because there's so many people that have jumped on the pa- Patriots bandwagon over the last 15, 20 years. Sure. And the, the fact that, the fact that they're bringing in more money just on home games than all these other teams are making for an entire season, I was, I was stunned by that. Like, I, I found that unbelievable. And you know what's one other thing I wanted to mention about you saying about the numbers? Like, I always find it fascinating, too, how, like, whenever I, like, tweet out the Forbes list of, like, the most valuable franchises, like, Cowboys fans love being that number one spot, you know? And it's, like, it's just kind of crazy because it's, like, it doesn't get them anything other than the notoriety that, you know, you're the Dallas Cowboys. Like, Jerry Jones should love it. You know, Charlotte Jones should love it. Stephen Jones and Jerry Jr. should love it. But, like, it's crazy. Like, fans take a lot of pride in that. Um, but at the same time, you'd think that if you were up there and you had that kind of money that you would have, you know, a couple Super Bowl runs. Oh, had to get that in there, didn't you, Johnny? Don't remind me. Um, so for perspective, John keeps talking about how Cowboys and Patriots are one and two. So Cowboys team stadium revenue, as you mentioned earlier, Don, $621 million, Total revenue, $950 million. New England Patriots, number two spot, coming in at $315 million team stadium revenue and $600 million total revenue. So that's almost half of the team stadium revenue in terms of the second spot, next runner-up. So that's a pretty, as you said, outstanding difference. But I also want to talk about the fact that, I mean, again, as someone who worked for the team, it's and, and we again, fans will gripe about this, or, or it's, the Cowboys have always been more than just a football team. They, they offer events. They are an entertainment brand, if you will. So I can't help but think about the money that they'll lose through, from tours and special events and things at the star. I mean, it's, it's so much more for this team revenue wise than just the team. So that's an interesting thought about it too. Oh, I was thinking about that during the draft. I mean, you know, I live pretty close to the star. And so I was like, oh, you know, a few hours before the draft started, I'm like, oh, I'll go up to the, the star and just see what it looks like. Take a couple pictures. Cause I knew there wouldn't be many people up there. And I just think about the previous drafts when I've been up there and it just like that whole like Tostitos Plaza is just filled with people. They're watching it. Like they're, they're letting people inside. They're having events inside for people to do stuff and watch the draft. And obviously all the shops there and everything people, I mean, it just packed for like a draft. And I just think of other teams, like who's really has this going on for them. No, the Cowboys, no question. You know, one of the biggest reasons, like the brand is, the brand is amazing. Like, you know, if, if I, if I had bought the team in 1989 and not even knowing what I was doing, the Cowboys would be at least middle of the pack at worst. But I mean, Jerry Jones is taking it to another level because he's, I mean, his, I mean, you can say whatever you want about Jerry Jones, the GM, Jerry Jones, the owner is, is a genius. There's no question about that. And so, no, they find a way to monetize everything and, and make money off all this stuff, but you, you still have to have the fans to be interested in it or people aren't going to pay the money. And it's crazy because you know how it is when you're out there at the start during the season, there's always tours going through there. That's like one of the right. first things that new players will talk about. It's just like, they really do this all the time. Like they just come right through. Yeah, no, they're doing this all the time. Like the, the whole like shine of the star has not worn off at all. Like people come out there all the time and I just don't see that demand being there for so many other teams. But again, even with that, I did not think that their revenue would be that much higher than all these other teams. And so I'm sure they lost a decent amount during the draft, but, um, and probably more than obviously other teams because other teams aren't doing these events, but it's nowhere near what they'll lose. It appears if they don't have fans in the stands. So what does that mean? Does that mean that like of all teams, it seems like the Cowboys knowing that are going to go out of their way to, you know, maybe they won't make it where every single seat can be sold, but maybe they make it to where like there's a certain number of people that can seat in every section. And so instead of having 90,000 at a game, maybe they find a way to configure the stadium so that maybe, you know, 15, 20,000 people can be there or something. I don't know, but it certainly seems when you look at those numbers, 
and that's what matters to very wealthy people at the end of the day. It seems like if anyone's going to try to get fans in the stands, it will be the Dallas Cowboys. So, um, again, forgive me for nerding out because this is kind of what I do, but I just find, again, this is also fascinating to me. And, and it's something that I'm living in my daily job and work life as well, because I am a sponsor, um, not for the Cowboys. So I'm not going to speak specifics about like who I'm dealing with, but this is a very real thing. And, you know, it's not just the teams losing money. It's, it's, it's sponsors like myself. And we're like, well, contractually speaking, you know, we've, we've based our, our payments to you off of X, Y, Z. And whether that's attendance, whether that's access, whether that's activations on the ground, whatever it is. And most of this is not even happening anymore. So um, a lot of times we're looking for make goods. We're looking for refunds, partial, full, whatever that may be. Um, there's also things like force majeure that's coming into play where um, obviously this pandemic is, is what we would qualify in the legal world as an act of God. And a lot of these venues and events are waiting for the local governments to actually say, no, you can't do this because then they're not held liable from an insurance perspective to pay me back my money or to, you know, whatever it may be, because they're not technically um, going back on their contract because it's not their fault. So it's just a really, really, really interesting position to be in and to see kind of play out um, for sure. And yeah, I mean, I, I think I tweeted this out the other day when you tweeted this article, uh, I was on the call at work with a, a, a pro team commissioner and again, not the Cowboys, but he made a comment. He was like, yeah, I mean, listen, 70% 70, 70 of my team's revenue is from the fans and 30% is from TV and media deals. And so, you know, I'm personally looking to try and work with my players to make more team-friendly deals. Now, I don't know if that's possible. I'll, I'll go out and say he was, it was an MLB. So I'm not sure if that's even possible in the NFL because I don't, you know, I feel like that's, you can't go to a player and you're like, hey, thanks for signing the contract. We, let's, let's renegotiate real quick for this year because I'm in a tough spot. <laughs> but I, I'm definitely seeing more creative solutions by ownership and, and league um, leaders, if you will, on how they're going to approach the, the upcoming seasons, if, if and when they can happen. Well, I will say this: the difference with baseball is that, you know, they, they don't have the salary cap. So some of these guys can get just paid astronomical amounts of money. Yep. And the reason why you can get that money back is because you just have so many home games, you know, when you're going to have, uh, you know, 81 home games, you know, you can make a lot of money off that if you have good players. And, and, and so that's a little bit different because, you know, Hey, there's a lot of people that say, why would Jerry be one of the front runners on, on, on wanting a salary cap? Why wouldn't he want to keep it like it was in the nineties where he could sign, you know, Emmett and Charles Haley and Deion Sanders and just load the roster up. No one would outspend him. Why would he want it that way? Well, for times like this, it, it kind of makes sense because there is a cap. So there's only so much that you have to pay the players. So it works out for the owners. And, and one of the reasons they did that is because it's best for the NFL if there really aren't any terrible teams. Like the NFL does not want anyone to only win three games or two games or one. They want teams all to be around seven or eight wins nine maybe ten and then all battling all the way down to the end of the season because they want all 32 fan bases to be in it at all times well that's just not how it is in baseball I mean if you drop out in the first you know month month and a half into the season like your fans aren't really going to be still showing up like they might every once in a while like on a Friday night or something like that or on like give giveaway night or something that they might be interested in but like it's not like the NFL where it's just like it's so set and so I don't think it'll get to that level with the NFL and the NFL has really been in a good spot because of the fact of when this has happened, 
they didn't have to, you know, they didn't have games going on and you could still do a draft the way they did it. You could still do free agency, you know, but it'll be interesting because you hear the, the you know, the, the stories, the rumors, whatever, about how that there could be, you know, a second wave of this that comes back uh, of the coronavirus where, you know, it might hit in September, October, right when they start up games. So like they, they can't go into this thinking that like, oh, this is all behind us by the time we get to September. Like they got to be ready that, okay, what if we go out on the field and then one of these players, and I want to get too far into this because I don't, this is taking it away another direction. But one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is like, I think the fields at these stadiums are filthy. Yeah. I think it's disgusting. So gross. Oh no, they're the gnarly. How are you washing that? I remember one time, I remember one time, one of my buddies was down here we were, before we went to a Tigers Rangers game. I was like, Hey, let's go. We'll go do the tour at AT&T stadium. And we go and, and my friend, he's, he was a good soccer player. He's like, well, we were able to go down the field. I brought a football cause I figured we'd be able to. And so he was kicking field goals barefoot. And somebody that worked there came up to us and was like, Hey, you got to put your shoes on. Cause there's like broken glass and stuff here from like parties and stuff that they'll have when they'll have like, you know, different events and stuff. I'm just like, this is the field that the players play on. Are we serious right now? Like there's something about those turf fields that I'm just kind of like, there's only so much you can do to make that place safe. And so when I think of at t stadium, I'm just like, what are you doing to keep that field clean after games, after guys have been puking and bleeding on this field? Like you're just rolling it up. Like, how do you keep that thing clean? Like you, I mean, it's just, there's those little rubber pellets in it. Like you're not, how can you clean that? So I don't know. That, yeah. that, that, I'm going down a different road, but it's just, it's crazy to think that like, you know, that there aren't going to be more complications as we go forward. No, I mean, I think it's a valid point because also, like, I think I, I think it was Adam Silver that was talking and he was like, I feel like if we come back, like, we have to be under the assumption that some of our guys need to know that they're there, they could likely get sick and, like, we'll do whatever we can. But, like, this is a very real possibility if we come back and play. And, like, I have to imagine that's going to be across the board. Like, we, because we, we don't, we won't have a vaccine by, by the fall. And, you know, I think we're seeing community spread is something that happens. Um, not to mention, these are contact sports. And I don't know, I don't know how you can be 100% sure that you can be safe playing and not getting potentially infected. I don't know. I really never thought about the field before, but now I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm serious. Like, I think they're, I mean, now the Cowboys, I think that they're on, they're on their second for sure. It might be their third field since they opened the stadium in 2009. I know that they've at least changed out once that they're, they're out to a new one and, and, they, and their field changes out quite a bit because of all the different events they have there. Um, and I'm sure there's some way that they clean it, but I don't know that that whatever way that they've been cleaning it is going to be what's going to meet protocol of, you know, now, like it's different if you have a field that's outdoors and it's natural grass. And you and at least can be, you know, you can have rain and, and things like that. I don't know what that does, if it kills any anything or not, but it just seems a lot it seems a lot safer than this basically carpeting that you roll up and then roll back out there. Yeah. Just get a really big can of Lysol. Yes. Spray it everywhere. If anyone can find that, Jerry can. I have the faith. <laughs> Um, but John, I, we, we were kind of, we went down that, that path because we were talking about the fact that like, there's other ways this team makes money, but, um, you know, I want to touch on real quick before we, before we move on again, I'll stop nerding out. I swear you guys, but I, it's just so fast. She's lying. I'm, I am lying. Um, but <laughs> the fact that, that the, the salary cap, so we talked about how the teams can be impacted monetary wise and they can lose a lot of revenue, but that means the league's losing revenue, which as I 
I referred to earlier, the new CBA deal, these players are making money based off of how much the league generates. So that ultimately is is going to impact the salary cap because the salary cap is driven by the money made by made the teams by the prior year. So if there's no if there's no NFL or if there's limited NFL, what would that do to negotiations or what does that do to the money available to pay these players in 2021? Or what if there's no college football, there's no high school football, but maybe, I mean, is there a solution in place where the NFL could make up the money to be able to still keep the salary cap flat? Like, is that something that we should be concerned about, you think? I mean, yeah, to a certain extent, just because there's so much that we don't know right now and that they don't know, because, you know, from the sound of it, at least from people that I've talked to, it seems like their, their goal is, is and their hope is, is that, hey, we're going to be able to have a season. And even if there is, um, you know, the coronavirus comes back and, and, and it comes back stronger um, and you have to suspend games and things like that, you know, there's the ability to, they could move their season back and where you don't have the Super Bowl until let's say like March or April or something like that. And you could go a month without a season, like because of the way that, you know, the NFL is structured. And, and again, like teams only having to play 16 games, not like baseball and basketball and hockey, there's a little bit of, uh, they have a little bit more wiggle room there. And so while I don't know that it'll have this enormous effect, I do think it's enough that it will make someone like a Jerry Jones kind of hesitant about like, I don't know if we really need to get this deck deal done right now. Like, Let's do, the, let's do the franchise tag. Let's evaluate where everything goes, not just with the team, but also, you know, this coronavirus that we have no idea and no control over. Let's see where that goes. And, and if we're able to have fans back in the stands and things like that, and then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll go look at our contracts after that and then see, you know, where we should pay them from that. But, you know, I don't, honestly, I, I have no idea how that will impact, like, the rest of the players, you know. Like, I, I don't see how it could affect the rookie pool, but it might, you know. And, I don't know, like the other big contracts that the Cowboys have like coming up, like none of them come close to Dak. And so the Dak one is, is the number one thing that, that I think about. Um, but I don't know how it, will, how it will affect other people. I don't think anybody really does. I think their hope is that they're going to be able to have a season, even if it is only 12 games, even if it is doesn't get ended until March, you know, they have, they'll have something. And if they have that something, even if there aren't fans in the stands, you'll at least have the money you make off the TV. So I firmly believe that some of the best Twitter is not actually the content on Twitter, but in the replies. And um, as you know, you have to report about what's happening with the quarterback and the, the latest contract negotiations. Um, and one of my, one of our friends, Bobby Bell is um, the king of trolling you uh, and all other people that talk about Dak. And he likes to bring up Romo a lot. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you two to answer um, the hypothetical question <laughs> of the of the Cowboys Twitter troll culture um, could Romo in your mind have done better with this group of offensive weapons let's start with like this year like after you have CD so we'll give him we'll give him CD too yes or no all right does he okay is he his, his current age or is he young Romo Let's um let's do 2004 Romo, 14, not four. 2000 okay 2014 or 13. Um, I would say, I would say if you could tell me that he was going to play 16 games and stay healthy, I think he would put up bigger numbers. Um, now when I say that, I also I think it's very close is what I'm getting at because. 
there's there's a certain element of Romo that yeah he would make a lot of huge plays but also with a lot of weapons like that sometimes you know there would be the interceptions that would cost them games as well so it, I mean there's a lot of different factors that go in it but if you're giving me a hypothetical I would probably take Romo but the, it's such a hypothetical because of the fact that I, I just it fascinates me how fans just throw out the injury stuff like Tony's at a point now where he needs to go to the chiropractor all the time just to golf like he was at a point where it wasn't like he had one back injury like this was just reoccurring and with Dak like it's been four seasons and whatever you want to say about his play he's been their starter for every game all 16 for four seasons like it's almost it goes, it's, it's it kind of and this really this will really annoy the Romo fans, but it almost goes to Eli Manning a little bit. Like when Romo's at his oh. best, and Eli's at his best. I think I think Romo is is a better player than Eli Manning. They're both playing at their best. But you Eli mean? Manning can say, <laughs> "What's that?" Oh no, I I'm with you. I love oh. Romo. I, oh, I thought you were saying that you were agreeing that Eli Manning is a better player than Romo. No, I just made a facial expression. No. So I was like, okay, with the hot take, I, I'm in. I know. No, 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 no. I'm not saying he, I'm not saying that Eli Manning is better. Um, I, he's had two years that were better than any two years that Romo had. But if we're looking at the entire right. body of work, Romo was a better player. But I will say that it does add value to Eli Manning's resume that like he was always their starter. There's something about not having to worry about a backup player at the mo- what I believe is the most important position in all of sports. And so Dak deserves credit for that. The, I mean, obviously, you know, the way he's built and he's a younger guy than what Romo was in 2014. Um, but it's it certainly, it can go either way. But if you're telling me that he's going to play all 16 games, he's going to be healthy and he's going to play like 2014 Romo, then I'm going to take that because that Romo, I thought was, he was worthy of like MVP consideration. I didn't think he should have got MVP, but he could have been in the conversation that year because that was, he was just outstanding that year. So yeah, if you give him that team, and then you mix in CD Lamb, yeah, for sure. Um, but at the same time, like four years in, you know, I don't know that Romo was where Dak is right now. And so, the injury thing is is the biggest one that that it makes me laugh about the whole Tony Romo Dak Prescott debate because it was to the point where Tony was having a hard time even staying healthy for back to back games. I mean, it was I mean it was clearly it was there that it was written that it was time for him to move on because of his health. I mean, it just like the quality of his life was, was being affected if he kept going out there. And it was, it wasn't just the back really. I mean, there was the collarbone stuff and, and there were a few other things, but I, I just, you can't, you have to factor that in because it, you didn't know, you didn't know if you were going to have him for all 16 games, you know? And it's not like, you know, it's not like you, you, you just figure, Oh, well, he'll play 12. They'll win all 12 of those. And if he misses four, then they'll still go 12 and four. Like, I mean, it's the NFL. There's great parity in this league. Like there's no guarantees. So you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how much better he would have been. Um, but, but Dak has a huge advantage in the fact that he hasn't missed a game yet. I know he was hurt last year for a little bit, but it's pretty valuable when you never, when you never miss a game and you can always be there and the team can count on you that you're always going to be the starter there. Yep. All right, Meg. So I know you're a big dad. I don't know. I, I was probably on the, I, probably, I was probably a little too on the fence for you there, but I just don't, I, I'm one of these people that this is my job and this is my life. And you guys know me. Like, I really don't have much of a life other than covering this team. And <laughs> We're so part I of your life. Hello. With the, I, hate, I hate hot takes that don't take in consideration other things. And they're just the one-sided, like, pay Dak. Well, it's not that easy. Like, there's two sides to this. Like, you can't just give him whatever he possibly wants. You still have to pay other guys on the team. Like, there's – very rarely are, are – especially in sports, but it's really in life in general. Like, just one side you can take on stuff. You have to give out, lay out all the factors, and then I can make a decision like that. But it's just not – it's very rarely 
in football, at least when, since I've been covering the Dallas Cowboys, very cut and dry. Yes, this is what you do in the situation. No, this, this is the answer here. Like, you, there's a lot of factors that go into this. And so, you know, Dak Prescott's been pretty damn good. And I don't know that he's been on the 2014 Romo level, but I don't know that there were many years that Tony Romo played on the 2014 Romo level. So if you're giving me that guy and he's going to play 16, I'll take that guy. Fair. So, Meg, I know you're a big Dak fan. But I also know you're a big Romo fan. So I'm going to make you choose between your two How sons. How dare you? Yeah. So I need you to choose between your two <laughs> sons and tell me which one you would pick. And who do you think would perform better with this set of current offensive weapons? I just want you to – I'm going to narrate her face right now. It's miserable. <laughs> this is honestly the rudest thing you've ever done to me. <laughs> um, oh, God. It's hard to argue with the uh, the fact that he has a glass collarbone, so I'm going to have to say that. Ooh, all right. <laughs> she she's spoken. She has spoken. But that was that was mean, just by the way. Like like I think Dak. I think I think Tony is a more gifted passer. Like I, I don't think that anybody would would argue that. Um, but there's just certain things that that Dak does, whether it be his mobility, his durability. Um, his leadership, just the way he is, obviously the fact that he was able, like, things don't seem to bother him. Like, you know, outside noise doesn't seem to bother him. Like, there's just, you know, it's like as much as, as good as Roma was, and, and 2014 was fantastic. I remember that season, like, it was like yesterday just because of how fun it was covering that team. Hell yeah, it was great. And, and he was amazing. At, and, and so I can understand where the Roma fans still think about that. And they're like, yeah, if Tony was here, we, we would have won a Super Bowl. We would have been, we'd be way better and all that. Well, well, Dak's pretty damn good, too. And, and I've said before, and I still believe this, I think Dak Prescott will eventually take the Cowboys to a Super Bowl. Like, I do think he is on that level. Like, I think he's a good enough quarterback to take them to a Super Bowl. So, you know, obviously, if that happens, then that's really going to annoy the diehard Romo fans, the Bobby Belts out there, even though that's a joke because Bobby doesn't feel that way. He just knows how many people are going to be drawn off sides when he tweets that stuff. But obviously, if he gets them to a Super Bowl, that ends everything. But, you know... That, that's probably what it'll take. But, you know, when I first got on this beat, I already sensed – I got the feel for that anyway because people already wanted to – you know, when Rumble was playing, they wanted to put him already – like, there are people that – there are people that think he's better than Troy Aikman. You know, there's people that, you know, think that he might be the best quarterback the Cowboys have ever had. So, it's like you're never going to win these arguments because there's always going to be somebody that takes it to a level where you're just like, okay, pump the brakes. It's like, yeah, he's a good player, but it's, let's, not be, let's not be ridiculous here. And there's something to be said, too, about the fact that, like, he's not done yet. He's gotten better every year. His passing wasn't the key part of his game until last year. And, like, that now you have more weapons. Like, hey, he could be slinging the ball better than Tony before you know it. Um, it's possible. You guys actually think well, maybe – Oh, no. Here, here's, here's one of the here's, – here's, here's one of the, the – if, if, if you're on the fence about Dak, here's one way to look at it. In, in terms of if you're on the fence on Dak, then you're definitely one of the people that don't want to pay him a lot of money, let alone one of the highest paid players in the league. The way you have to look at it is really it's got – got the only comparison I come up with is Seattle with Russell Wilson. When Russell Wilson first got to Seattle, you know, he was, he was bus driving. He wasn't the guy that was sitting there. They had this, just a dope defense that was as good as there was for a long time in the league, and – he just had to not mess it up and make key throws here and there. And, but it got to a point where they couldn't keep paying everybody on defense. And so, you know, Russell Wilson steadily kept improving. He certainly is. Uh, I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best players in the league right now. He was not that way when he first came into the league. It took him some time to get to where he's at. 
I don't know that I don't know that Dak will ever be as good as what Russell Wilson is right now, but I don't think that that is that ridiculous of a possibility. And if it gets to that level, you look at Seattle right now, and they don't have anywhere near that Legion of Boom defense that they used to have. And Seattle is still in the mix every single year. And the biggest reason is really, I mean, you could say Pete Carroll, but it's, it's really Russell Wilson. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. And I mean, again, I, we won't dive too much into this, but Pete Prisco came out with the top hundred players and Cowboys had seven of them. Dak was number 46 and the only quarterbacks who are ranked higher than Dak, Mahomes, Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, uh, and Tom Brady. So Wilson, Russell Wilson's on that list. And I would say me personally, I feel like he's at his current state. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to throw something out there. I think he's a little bit on the bottom half of that list of, of quarterbacks that are in front of him. Um, so I could totally see that happening. Oh, so whenever I, I see those lists, like, like, like take out the other players and like, let's just make it just about the quarterback because that was the thing I remember when I was at the uh, Dallas Morning News, this time of year when there's like not a lot going on, like it was great to put out quarterback rankings, wide receiver rankings, running back rankings, because the more players that you talk about, the more, the more complaining, the more arguing people want to do. And so the big one with Dak is like, okay, there's some that think he's a top five quarterback. There's others that think he's closer to 15. And you know what? On, on any given game, you can make an argument for either side. And again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, it's just so not cut and dry. Like, you can't just sit here and say, like, okay, this guy is the seventh best quarterback in the league. It's not, it's not, it doesn't really work like that because it's so fluid, especially at that position, because they get way too much credit and they also get way too much blame. And so, you know, I, I'm fine. If somebody thinks that, that Dak is, you know, a top, you know, six or seven quarterback in the league, that's fine. If somebody thinks he's, you know, somewhere between, you know, 12, 13, 14, maybe 15, you know, middle of the pack, that's fine too. The ones are, 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 the, are like the fans that annoy me that are like, you know, he shouldn't even be their star. They should let Andy Dalton like be the – like if you don't think Dak's better than Andy Dalton, I just – I don't want to – I don't even want to have a discussion. It's fine. That we're just not going to agree on this. Like we're done, the Cowboys' yeah. best chance to win this year is with Dak Prescott. So, yeah, I just – I can't – I can't get, in, get into that. Like I, they got a great backup. It's one of the best backups they've had in a long time. But this is Dak Prescott's team, okay? So please don't give me this like, oh, he's not even top 20 and things like that. I mean, come on. That, that's beautiful. I, you couldn't have said it any better. It's true. So we talked about Romo for a minute. I want to talk about some other former Cowboys players. Um, you had a really cool post the other day on the Twitter. Dallas Cowboys all-time starting lineup. Um, I want to talk about it. And you also got some interaction from a former Cowboys great who made this list. So if you don't mind, I'm going to read through it real quickly for those who didn't see. It's on John's Twitter um, timeline. But we'll go offense first. So offense, all-time starting lineup for the Dallas Cowboys. Quarterback, Staubach, uh, running back, Emmett Smith, wide receiver, Bob Hayes, Michael Irvin, Drew Pearson, tight end, Jason Witten, right tackle, Rayfield Wright, guard on the right side, Zach Martin, center, Travis Frederick, left guard, Larry Allen, left tackle, Tyron Smith. Let me switch to defense, and then we'll discuss. DN, Charles Haley, D tackle, Bob Lilly, Randy White. On the other side, rushing, you've got Demarcus Ware, linebackers, Chuck Howley, Leroy Jordan, Corners, Mel Renfro, Dion, Cornell Green, and safeties, Cliff Harris, and Darren Woodson. So, um, I'd love to hear what the inspiration of this was. And then, Meg, I know I'm sure you have some opinions. I have some opinions. And I know I saw some people. I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you one opinion. You left out Dan Naley, so I'm upset about that. Well, you also left out the goat Jeff. <laughs> so, there's that. But, but we'll let you talk first. 
So uh, ESPN has been uh, putting out a uh, NBA thing the last couple of days, and it's the uh, it's their, uh, they're having their NBA writers go through every team and put what would be their all-time starting lineup. And so I was just looking at it, and I don't know, like it kind of got me going, uh, arguing with some friends about some people that were on there. And so I was like, you know, I need to do a Cowboys one like this. And again, one of the reasons I did that is because, like I said, whenever you're doing lists like this, like, especially in the off season, the more people you can have in there, the more names, the more whatever, the more debate there will be. And the more people will draw people offside. So it's the real people quick, going. the safeties are just, when anybody says anybody, whenever anybody says any, other, the, any other than those two safeties, that was like one of the easiest positions to pick. Okay. Like Darren yeah. Woodson, like he's not, he's not in the hall of fame, but he should be like, he's, he's got to be on that list. You know, Cliff Harris is going in the hall of fame. Like let's stop with, with, with any of the other ones. But another one that really annoyed me, and this is just because, again, don't have a life. So last week I watched uh, all five Super Bowls over again that the Cowboys won. A lot of Jay Novacek in there. People stop with Jay Novacek should be in there over Jason Witten. Yep. Jay Novacek was a really good player. And they threw to the tight end a lot more then. Jay, if Jason Witten was on those 90s Cowboys teams, they, it's not like they wouldn't have still won three Super Bowls. They're like, Jay Novacek won three Super Bowls. Okay, Jason Witten would have won those three Super Bowls too. You don't think Jason Witten with Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Emmitt Smith, Daryl Johnson wouldn't win Super Bowls? I mean, come on now. Uh, I understand that, you know, it's fresh in their mind that he wasn't the same with the last few years. I get that. Okay, that's fine. But let's not be – the guy made 11 Pro Bowls. Stop with that. Um, I will say I'm, I'm open to people wanting Mark Stepnowski to be the center over Travis Frederick because he was the center during, you know, yep. the glory 90s, and that's fine. It's debatable. Again, same argument with me. You can't sit here and tell me that if Travis Frederick was the center on that, on that offensive line that they wouldn't have still won those Super Bowls. So please don't bring the Super Bowls, you know, argument with me. A lot of people want to argue about – between Troy Aikman and Roger Staubach, and I'm fine with that. Like, hey, take your pick. I, I won't argue either way on that one. Um, and then there's a lot of people saying that Daryl Moose Johnson should have been on there or Tony Dorsett. Well, I wanted to have the three wide receivers, and then obviously I didn't have Des Bryant, so people are, you know, up in arms about that because he's got more touchdown receptions than anybody in Cowboys history. But the three guys I have in there are two of them already in the Hall of Fame and Bob Hayes and Michael Irvin. And Drew Pearson's eventually going to get in there. And all three of those guys are in the ring of honor. Like, there's still, like, I don't know that, that Des, like, obviously Des has had highlights that are probably better than any of those guys' individual highlights. But I can't sit there. It's like, it'd be really easy to put Des in there if they didn't, if the Cowboys didn't have the history that they had. Like, there's just a lot of debating at the wide receiver position. The Cowboys have had some amazing wide receivers. There was no slight to Des Bryant. Like, he deserves to be in the argument. But I don't think three Hall of Famers is, like, anything bad, you know? Um, and then Daryl, Daryl Moose Johnson was great on those three teams, but I, I didn't feel like putting in a fullback and, and, and two running backs in that. And for me, it's Emmett over Tony Dorsett. And I, and I have, I don't care what anybody says about that one. Um, oh, else? oh, Ed Tutal Jones. Okay. Ed, Ed Tutal Jones. I'm fine with you want to put him on the defensive line, but DeMarcus Ware was a beast and he would be a beast in any generation, any era. He would have won anything. I mean, he was on a defense that didn't have anywhere near the talent that some of those doomsday defenses had. Some of those 90s defenses had. I mean, DeMarcus Ware was a beast. Charles Haley, they don't win those three Super Bowls if they don't add Charles Haley. It's just, it's ridiculous uh, how much of an impact that guy had. I know he didn't have the long stay, but he, I was he gonna say, like, to, to deserve to be on there. That was the one thing I saw. People were like, well, Dion, you know, he are you really going to call him a cowboy? I was like, well, if you call Charles Haley a cowboy, you got to call Dion a cowboy. People say that? Yeah, and, that was, and there's another one. Like, Jeez Louise. Yeah, people, people, I, I understand. Well, I, I can I can understand that to a certain extent because of the fact that like one of the things that annoyed me 
is, you know, I grew up as, as a fan of the Bad Boys Detroit Pistons. And so it just was weird to me when I was looking at the ESPN one to see Dennis Robin on those Bulls teams. But you can make the argument, because like Dennis Robin played for, I think it was seven years with the Pistons. They won two titles, but he only played three with the Bulls, but they did win titles all three of those years. And so I can understand why he's on there. It just, it was when I saw it, it just kind of like, to me, Dennis Robin will always be a Piston. You know, like I, I don't, I won't think of Dennis Robin as, as a Bull. So I can understand where people have their own beliefs and they think of like their own guys that they like. And, and, that, and that's fine with me, you know, but I, Dion was just such an elite corner when he was with the Cowboys. He was, you know, those are the best years, some of the best years. Obviously, he was good with the 49ers, too. But uh, he was he was just such an amazing player. I, I, it was hard for me not to put him on there. Um, but I understand people are – the one that people debate about is Everson Walls. I mean, the guy led the, the league in interceptions for three different years in the 80s. Hey, I'm fine with that. Maybe he should have been on there. But uh, please don't come at me with the Jay Novacek over Jason Witten. I got no time for that. So, um, Meg, what were your thoughts? Don't go, don't go with the Jay Novacek, though. Don't go with that narrative. <laughs> we already heard John's on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I thought it was perfect. Um, I don't I don't really have a point of contention other than, like I said, uh, the GOAT Jeff Heath is not on there. But, you know, other than that, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I feel like the one that I really thought was missing was Joseph Randall. Um, that was a really, <sighs> a really big miss on my mind. <laughs> um, no, but for real, I mean, the, the, I was, didn't want him to – steal the spotlight oh man you're good for one every show my friend i Hi. do my best it's impressive <laughs> it really is <laughs> anyways i have a great i've never mind i'm not wait well, hold, on, hold on 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 what what else what else has he said that's on the level of that <laughs> oh have you not been listening? Yeah, come on, John. I don't know. She's like literally, she's so witty. I usually like do the, our outros, I usually do a pun regarding whoever was just on there. So yeah, and I just look at her and I'm like, I, I need a drink right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have a drink. And then we have a drink. <laughs> um, I'll pull together a compilation. That's what I'll do for you guys. A compilation of Meg's best because she's already had some highlights in our, on our short tenure as girls talking boys. So just getting started. Highlight reel coming. Don't worry, you guys. Um, no, but I really did. I was totally agreeing with you. I thought, you know, the Stepanowski conversation with Travis Frederick, obviously that's going to be a big point of contingency. Um, I think I might have gone with Troy over Staubach. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty interchangeable, like you mentioned. You saw the Dez instead of Bob Hayes conversation too. Um, Moose, of course. Um, but yeah, for real, you, you forgot Dan Bailey and also LP Latisor, who I'm pretty sure has been playing for the Cowboys even before Jerry owned the team. So I feel like those were your two big main misses, in my personal opinion, outside of Joseph Randall. So just so we're clear on where I stand on your list. Well, I just want you to know I feel embarrassed. Well, it's okay. I would too. <laughs> no. um, I do want to make a comment, though, because I saw some Someone replied to that, and I thought it was good. Ruben Rota said, um, he said, interesting list. As of last year, there were four guys on offense who presently were on the roster. On the defensive side, where was the last player to be active? Did you – I mean, I think that's actually a pretty interesting conversation and comment to have. Like, why do you think that is? You know, am I just – is it – did you, you play it up to the nature of league, or you're just like, yeah, it's a coincidence. The defense is really just not being great. Monty Kiffin didn't come in and, and – you know, light the world on fire. No, unfortunately, Tampa two didn't do it for us. No. Well, no, I mean, it's, it, I mean, it has a lot to do with Jason Garrett and that's just that, you know, um, 
you know, 2011, okay, that's Jason Garrett's first draft. And, and they had a really pivotal moment right there. You know, a lot of, a lot of people talk about, uh, well, at least a lot of people that I respect that have been covering the league for a long time. They'll talk about like a, a new head coach's first draft pick, you know, and how important that is because it kind of sets the tone, you know, and that's why, you know, I look at Mike McCarthy, I'm like, C.D. Lamb, that's a damn good first draft pick to have uh, to look back on. And so in 2011, Jason Garrett and the Cowboys went with Tyron Smith. And obviously that's a great pick. You know, Tyron's got a good chance at being in the Hall of Fame one day. But that pick came down to Tyron Smith and J.J. Watt. And depending on which way you wanted to go there, that was probably going to be the identity of your team going forward. And Jason Garrett is an offensive guy, so he was going to go with the offensive guy. And ever since then, it was built as an offensive first team. And it really – it was like that with Romo. I mean, this team that the Cowboys have right now, minus, minus let's see, Amari and – you know, that's really it. Um, this team was built for Romo, the back end of Romo's career, to be great on offense. They built that offensive line to protect Romo. You know, they brought they drafted Zeke because it was going to add another element for Romo. You know, that, that's the way this team was built. They were spending all these high-round picks and on, on offensive players, and they, they weren't doing that on defense. And so it, it obviously ended up being a great situation for Dak because, again, like when I was talking to him about being picked 135, instead, yeah, you didn't make the money that you would have as a first round pick, but you go to the Cowboys and you step in with a great offensive line. You get Ezekiel Elliott behind you. You had Des Bryant, Jason Witten, like the team that had invested so much in the offense. And so it is interesting that, that, that I didn't even plan on having that many current or recent players on that list on the offense, but it is one of those things too, where it's like, you can say what you want about Jason Garrett as a head coach. And, and I know there's a lot of criticism that he deserves, but like they drafted really well. And he was a part of that because he had a lot of say in who those guys were offensively because he wanted to build it like those 90s Cowboys. The problem was is that they weren't able to add the players on defense that the 90s Cowboys were. And so that would, that'll probably always be. Taco Charlton was a bad pick. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest at the time, I didn't hate it. Like I was like, yeah, they need a, they need a defensive end. And I knew that Rod Marinelli wasn't going to be in the TJ Watt because it just wasn't fitting his scheme. But, you know, uh, you know, Rod, Rod's going to get hated on a lot because, it doesn't look like Tristan Hill is, is the guy they thought he was. And Taco Charlton obviously didn't work out. But, you know, Rod deserves credit for DeMarcus Lawrence. That's a second-round pick that has played certainly like a guy that could have easily been drafted in the top ten. And so, I mean, he deserves some credit for that one. But, uh, you know, he deserves his, his criticism too. Again, like it's not, you know, I'm not going to give him all the blame for it. But, you know, their defense is not being better is the reason why that they really didn't go any farther than they did. Sure. Well, um I, for one, love this list, and I know you are actually working on compiling some other interesting questions for any of the Cowboys fans out there who are interested in playing with the hypotheticals or even just giving your opinion on the current or previous state of affairs. So, John, tell us about what you're working on currently over there on The Athletic in this um, survey you have out there in the streets. (laughs) Yeah, so – there just always seems to be going on something with the Cowboys recently. So I haven't had a chance to get to one of these, but a lot of the other uh, writers that cover NFL teams, the athletic have been putting out these surveys. And so finally I got to a spot here where I was like, I got to do one of these because I know Cowboys fans will love uh, doing this and it'll be interesting to see their responses. And so it's kind of like all over the map in terms of like, it's not just about this year's team. Um, You know, I thought about doing that, like maybe just have 20 questions about now, but I was like, I, I, it's 35 questions about, it's about half and half, half are about the current team, half are historical. Um, and I don't know, it's kind of fun. And, and I'll, I'm going to go through all the uh, results in the next day or so. And then I'm going to write an article next week about kind of 
you know, what the findings were. And I've looked at some of the numbers already, and there's some really fascinating things, like the way that people have voted on some things. Like one of them I'll just share with you guys right now that's like almost, it's almost exactly 25%, 25%, 25%, 25% is what would the, and I'll ask you guys this, man, just to get your opinion. What would the Cowboys have done if in 2014 the Des catch stands? And like the options were they still end up losing the game. Um, they win the game, but they, lo they lose the next game in Seattle. Um, they win the game and they win in Seattle, but then they lose in the Super Bowl to the Patriots. Or would they have won the Super Bowl? And I was just kind of surprised that there was like almost 25% of people said they would have won the Super Bowl. I just, again, going back to what we were just talking about, I just didn't think that their defense was good enough to win a Super Bowl. But, you know, you get there, who knows? You just have a great game. But what do you guys think would have happened? I mean, there's still four minutes left in that game. How far would the Cowboys have gone if, if that Des Bryant catch counts and, and they're looking at first and goal from the one with four minutes to go? We would have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl! That's the obvious answer, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're we're here for the ratings. There's no way that Aaron Rodgers would have come back in the last second and slung a little touchdown down the field. There's no way. He never he's does never, that. He's never done that before. Um, I just so we're clear, <laughs> I think they would have won. I who were they supposed to play after that though? Seattle. Yeah, that was where I was. Seattle concerned. at Seattle. That was where I was concerned. So I don't know if I would Super Bowl. I don't know if I would have given them the trophy that year, but they were pretty damn close, man. That was like that was thrilling. I don't everyone talks about how it was, was it? it was thrilling. Yeah, it was. It was. 2017, they're like, it was a great year. And I'm like, great. 2014 was a great year, you guys. Freaking what's his name? Blandino <laughs> killing my vibe. Like, my God. Yeah, it was it was also a depressing year. Yeah. So So to answer that. your question, well, I think th that's were, another Yeah. That's another question, though, that's on there is, is in the last decade, what's been their, their best team? And, and, it, and I, the options I put were 14, 16, and then 18. Obviously, the three years that they went to the divisional round. But, and, and 14 is, is winning, but not, not by a significant amount, but 14 is, is the one that most people are going with. It's the right answer, John. That's and they why. would have won the Super Bowl. That's why. <laughs> it's the right answer. So I'm glad that everyone is smart like me. Yeah. <laughs> but we're all brilliant together look at that in conclusion um you guys need to go fill out this survey because if you love this list of john's top all-time cowboys rosters like we did um he's apparently got a lot more up his sleeve for you and you guys can contribute so make sure you guys are subscribed to the athletic i mean honestly i'll be real with you i've said it before i'll say it again it's well worth the money. I think I pay less than a dollar a month. Like, my God, I can't even tell you I'm giving up a coffee because I don't even spend that much money on coffee. So um, you don't even drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. But if I did, it would be less than what I spend on the athletic. So well worth your time. Well worth, worth your subscription. Make sure you guys are following John as well on Twitter. He's at John Machota. It's not with an H, though. It's J-O-N-M-A-C-H-O-T-A. -A. John. Thank you so much for joining us. We truly appreciate you. And uh, we got to get you down here to have a have a beverage with us once the social distancing is over. I could listen to you rant all day. Honestly, me too. That's why we love you. <laughs> oh, and well, thanks I'll, for having me on, though. I, this is a lot of fun, seriously. Hey, we're a lot of fun, and you're a lot of fun, too. And I'll leave you on one parting note, because we did a quick mailbag call out, and we didn't have time because we just had the best conversations. We'll have to have you back again for more. But RJ Ochoa wants to know um, why the Pistons were so mean to Michael Jordan. That's his final question for you. 
Because <laughs> that's what hey, that's what you do when you're not as talented as the other guy. I'm not going to sit here and say like I love those bad boys Pistons, but let's be honest, Michael Jordan's the goat. Like to try and get on that person's level, you got to be kind of physical. You know, was it right? Probably not, but I enjoyed it. And I can tell you guys this right now. I say this to everybody about those teams. If that was your team, you would ride or, ride or die with that team. Like that team will always be like if it was the Dallas Cowboys and they weren't super talented. Like they were talented, but they were they were known as being kind of the hard nosed type like fighters. And they won two back to back Super Bowls and they beat some teams that were more talented. You would absolutely love those teams. Hell so, yeah, I would. Uh, it's like my hated hated by you. Them, but I love them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you heard it from the Detroit man himself. John Mashoda, thanks so much for coming on. And we will hopefully see you again very soon. It's safe to say that old Johnny matches really lit up a great discussion. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't ready. <laughs> Meg Murray, at it again. Again, I can't stop and I won't stop. Listen, like I said earlier, you guys can expect a compilation of all Meg Murray quotes coming in hot. I don't know when, but I feel like it's a good Quarantimes project. <laughs> we have nothing else to do. We have plenty of time. Um, thank you guys so much for joining. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and some of our nerd outs such as, as much as we enjoyed having them. And It's um, always fun to talk to John. It is. It is. If you guys have an opinion we on... We probably could have made like a three-hour, four-hour episode. Oh. And that's barely scratching the surface. We didn't even get through like half of the topics that I had on my list of stuff yeah. we should talk about. Like, it was... Yeah. He'll be back. He will be back. <laughs> but we want to hear what you guys have to say about the Cowboys all-time roster that he put together and our thoughts on it too. Also, would love to hear your thoughts on the Romo versus Dak conversation we posed um, and if Romo could be as successful or more with this current state of weapons that the, the Cowboys offense has right now. Um, also love to hear your thoughts on the COVID um, pan, like pandemic conversation and, and some of your considerations around going to games. Um, if it was open, would you be going or, you know, I, I just think it's a really fascinating topic and it's going to be ever times, evolving. They are uncertain. They are uncertain. They are unprecedented. And every other cliche they say on every single commercial ever. That you, that was very presidential of you. It was like Thank very you. like political. That was good. Vote for Meg. Vote for Meg. <laughs> oh my god. Um, find us on Twitter. We want to hear your thoughts. I'm at Kelsey underscore Charles, um, and Meg at Meg Murray with four R's. And if you guys have other things you want to talk about, go ahead and send us your way as well. I mean, this show is just as much yours as it is ours. So if you have uh, topics you want us to discuss, tweet them at us. Um, we would be happy to consider. But until next time, make sure you guys are rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the Blog and the Boys podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. Um, we've said it before. We'll say it again. It really does help us out. We've got a lot of other great episodes and um, podcasts under the Blog and the Boys umbrella for you. So whether you like talking with the girls about the boys or you want to talk about the the draft, we had that too. RJ, um, he's going to talk to you about every daily updates. Literally everything. Literally everything. We've got you covered. So um, make sure you're tuned in, subscribed, so you get all the latest notifications on when new episodes drop. We will see you guys Monday on our regularly scheduled time here on Girls Talking Boys. But until then, and as always, Cowboys forever, Eagles for never. Bye, guys.